Welcome to Design by Us, the show where we discuss how humans design the world. My name is Ravi Chohan, and with, as always, is... Good morning, mi amigo. How are you? It's neither morning. I'm not your friend either, so you're going to have to try that again. Pancho today. Who's Pancho Villa? Is there anything else you want me to say? No, who is Pancho Villa? You don't know who Pancho Villa is? No, I don't. Well, there we go. If you, if you are in the Patreon and you are looking at the video, you will see why I am Pancho Villa today. Okay, nice. All right, sweet. You know El Quixote? Uh, yes. Well, yeah, well I know I know of it. I haven't I haven't actually read it. I probably should. Yeah. Maybe well, I'll, I actually I never list. read it too. I probably read the Cliff Notes when I'm when they asked me to read it in school. <laughs> um, I was well, actually a pretty bad reader when I was a kid. Re- well, did you not read books or? Yeah, I did, but I hate reading literature and like old things. I was always so annoyed by it. Yeah. I, I never could extract the value out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always struggle with it. So, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Well, unlike you, probably. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to extract value out of the things you read, uh, which ironically is probably quite a uh, different yeah. approach than the uh, the approach we're going to be discussing today. So, look, Luigi, uh, today I don't know what we're going to title this episode, but it'll be something around managing knowledge, um, and it's actually something we've discussed before on the show from a software perspective. And in that episode, we discussed and we said that actually we'll talk a little bit more about the approach later, right? Now is na- later. Uh, today is later. Today's the day everyone's been waiting for. And what we want to do is we want to uncover like a really cool strategy that some people have when it comes to capturing their creativity and even creating the conditions for their creativity. American journalist, author, and filmmaker Sebastian Junger once wrote of this, on the subject of writer's block. He said, it's not that I'm blocked. He said, it's that I don't have enough research to write with power and knowledge about that topic. It means... Not always that I can't find the right words, but it, instead it means that I don't have the ammunition. And I think that's what today's all about. It's about giving people ammunition to uh, do their best work and to fire their guns, their creative guns at all times. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, all of this uh, information overload situation. Like Every day I, I listen to podcasts. I read, I would say, three to four Medium articles a day. I receive tons of messages. I'm in a lot of meetings, take a lot of notes for different meetings, have a lot of ideas going on. I would say, what, one one to two episodes of podcasts every day I listen to? Jeez, really? You, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, I was really checking my analytics, and it's about seven hours of podcasts. A week? Um, per week, yeah. That's insane. Um, That's insane. Probably watch a few videos here and there. Uh watch tons of content, have many conversations with you and uh, all the other people that we hang out with. So <laughs> it's a lot of information. Nice, nice um, save that. Nice save that. You tried to make it sound like you had friends. <laughs> no, there's a lot of information that I, I am bombarded with and I, I'm not alone. I was doing some research on this and there are tons of things, just a quick, just to get some perspective. Apparently today, the average human being gets exposed or has to read or consume about 1,174 full newspapers every day. Wow. Yeah. And that has a massive impact on, on productivity, has a massive impact on, um, on, on multitasking, on context switching, productivity on your workplace, productivity on your, on your own mind, on your mental health. So it, it has a big take on, on, on people. And I think it's, it's a really important topic that people learn how to manage their own knowledge and what they are exposed to, what they deserve. I, our brains are pretty good at generating ideas, not necessarily at storing all of them. So yeah. you need to you need a second help. Yeah. Uh, somewhere else to store 
that that knowledge to let it marinate for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it it, it sounds like uh, what you need is is you need help building a second brain, uh, which yeah. coincidentally is the title of a book by a by a bloke called Tiago Forte. Um, it's got the subtitle a "Proven Method to Organize Your Digital Life and Unlock Your Creative Potential." Yeah. I, I think I think it's worth saying that neither of us really enjoyed this book. Fun fact: both of us started reading the book. Oh, and yeah, we recommended we did, yeah. it to each other, and we were like, "Man, I'm reading this good book. You think you would enjoy it?" Uh, <laughs> it's about like it's not that great because we have done it for a while, but I, I don't remember the name. And then one, we actually told each other we were reading the same book. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I don't, I didn't necessarily enjoy it, but there were good ideas here and there. Can I just say that I feel like a lot of these business books slash self help books that they, they and this is coming from a literature student, not from a point of view of someone who knows about books and there's like gatekeeping books, but for someone who, who like reads a lot of things that could be condensed down by quite a bit. These yeah. books can be condensed down by a huge amount. And yeah, actually yeah. what we'll link in the show notes is a link to a summary of, of the book. And I, I really don't, don't. I'm sorry, Tiago Forte, but this could have been a blog post. No, no, but like, it is just, I'm going to defend Tiago Forte here. Yeah, go on. I do think that maybe we're not the, the audience for this. Like, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. you and I, we're not experts in this. It's not like we, we mastered our, no, we have a lot of problems and ways to improvise and improve our knowledge management system. But we have done, I would say, extensive research on how to optimize the way we capture notes and we capture information and we retrieve it. I would say more than the average human being on earth. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair point. That is a fair point. I think that's, that's fair enough. And, and look, I think the reason it's worth kind of thinking about why we do this and then we'll talk about what this actually is, right? But why, why we do this? Um, so the, the quote I read from Sebastian Junger was actually from Tiago's book. Um, and he, here's another one. Here's another story that he tells in that book. He talks about Richard Feynman, uh, the physicist. Um, didn't he solve the Challenger disaster? Or like he understood, he led the investigation. Yeah, he didn't it. solve it, but basically the disaster happened. There's an amazing documentary about it, but the yeah. disaster happened and then they called all the top scientists just to come and help us figure out why this happened. Yeah, um, and he was brought in, and he was basically leading that team. Yeah, well, I think he, I think he led the uh, the investigation, right? Um, but anyway, so he was a really smart guy, and basically, people would ask him, you know, why are you so clever? Why are you so smart? And according to Tiago Forte, Feynman said in an interview, you have to keep a dozen of your favorite problems constantly in your mind, although they'll kind of just be kind of dormant and towards the back of your mind. Yeah. Um, and every time you understand something, you can test what you've just learned against each of those 12 problems, right? So that can be work problems, like, you know, say for example, physics problems, it can be questions around what you're gonna do at work, whatever the case may be. Um, and the idea was that basically Feynman had a list of about 12 open questions at any one time. To be honest, I'm surprised, I can't remember 12 things, right? Yeah. <laughs> and basically the idea was is that he was taking a new knowledge that he was getting and he was like testing it against old knowledge that he had or old questions that he had. And basically what this book is, is an approach for you know, people who aren't as smart as Richard Feynman who can keep it yeah. all in their own heads. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's a si series of systems to be able to do that, basically. Yeah, I would say I, I've followed Richard Feynman quite a lot. I would I've read maybe two or three of his books. Yeah, I heard he got uh, a restraining order, actually, against you. Richard Feynman passed away, man. <laughs> okay, all right. Richard Feynman is like one of the greatest scientists that it was within our, close to our generation, I would say after Stephen Hawking. But what he was really good at was that explaining really complex concepts very, very simply, like with, with basic words, like that anyone could understand it. It was to some extent that they brought him, he was a PhD student, 
a PhD professor. And they brought him to explain year one of physics in the university. I think it was in Caltech where he was teaching. Um, and he basically created these six lectures or this six combination of lectures, which is then, then it became a book. You can, you can find it anywhere, which is like six, six simple physics ideas or something along those lines. But he also managed to explain the behavior of subatomic particles really, really well in something that is called Feynman diagrams, which to this day is basically still helping us to understand and mathematically represent how subatomic particles interact with each other. Mm -hmm. but it, what, the point I'm getting into is that we might think that Richard Feynman is like one of the smartest people that has stepped on earth, which probably he is, but to what extent his knowledge management system helped him become that person. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to tell, but I do think that it has a, a massive impact. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I've, I've just looked up this um, Feynman diagram. It's super simple, right? It just looks like a few lines and a few squiggly lines to me. I'll be honest. I'm sorry. Yeah. But you can create so many iterations of those things that it helps you represent how different things interact with each other. Yeah. I've got no doubt that it's clever. Yeah. But equally, a four-year-old with a crayon could create many iterations of straight lines and squiggly. <laughs> yeah, well, once you understand the system, you can interpret and interpret what happens when, let's say, an electron uh, interacts with a fermion or it's like specific. I'm probably talking my my. I really have no idea exactly how to read them uh, because I never really studied that that complex physics in engineering. We don't need to. Engineers mm -hmm. don't need to go that far. Okay, we leave that for the smart people. Okay, well, anyway. look, let, 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 me, let me define kind of what a second brain is then briefly, right? All right. And again, we're not talking about the programs and the systems specifically. We're talking about the idea behind it. And basically, what, what, one way to think of a second brain is as the world's best personal assistant. Um, it's basically a combination of like a notebook, a journal, and a sketchbook for, for ideas. So you're kind of taking notes in terms of knowledge that's coming in. You're recording what's happening to you. And it's also a place where you can go and ideate. Um, the idea is that your second brain is, is always on uh, and unlike your brain, uh, it's got perfect memory and can also scale, you know, contain many, many years of data and information. And basically the idea is, is that then your brain can actually focus on capturing, organizing, doing stuff with that information rather than just trying to focus on remembering it. Some words that you've probably heard to do with the idea of a second brain. Some people use the word personal cloud. I think it's a bit, yeah silly that a digital archive digital garden uh, external brain or whatever the case may be um and that is basically what a second brain is so like back in the day it could have been a bunch of cards with notes written on them that you put in a box uh which is actually something that's an old system that a german sociologist came up with to manage his research and stuff like that um and all of these kinds of things really back in the past uh there was this thing called a commonplace book and I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I don't know if you remember this from the beginning of Tiago's explanation. Luigi, have you ever heard of the idea before reading this of a commonplace book? I actually didn't. I didn't know about it until, okay. until, until, until... I read the book. Okay, well, anyway. look, let, 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 me, let me define kind of what a second brain is then briefly, right? All right. And again, we're not talking about the programs and the systems specifically. We're talking about the idea behind it. And basically, what, what one way to think of a second brain is as the world's best personal assistant. It's basically a combination of like a notebook, a journal, and a sketchbook for, for ideas. So you're kind of taking notes in terms of knowledge that's coming in, you're recording what's happening to you, and it's also a place where you can go and ideate. Um, the idea is that your second brain is, is always on, uh, and unlike your brain, uh, it's got perfect memory and can also scale, you know, contain many, many years of 
data and information. And basically the idea is, is that then your brain can actually focus on capturing, organizing, doing stuff with that information rather than just trying to focus on remembering it. But it makes total sense. So basically back in the olden days, uh, like really olden days, like horses instead of cars, olden days. Should have been a historian. I was like 100 years ago, man. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, back in the olden days, um, you had this thing where people, like the, basically people who were like learned, right? People who could afford education and stuff like that took it like really seriously. And you ended up with people who were like, oh yeah, you know, they read this thing and we know exactly what they thought about it. And you're thinking as an English literature student, you're thinking, how the hell do we know what someone 200 years thought about a different book that came out 200 years before that, right? The reason was because they had this habit of this thing called a commonplace book, right? And what they did, apparently, according to Tiago Forte, is they broke text down into fragments and assembled them into new patterns, right? So they transcribed them, they transcribed them into different sections of their notebooks. They reread the copies, rearranged patterns, and added more excerpts. I think he's being a little bit kind of too, like he's, he's dressing it up a little bit because it's too neat to fit with the way that he imagines building a second brain. But the idea is that people wrote notes when they were reading, right? Reading and writing were the same thing. Like you would go to your reading room with your desk and you'd sit there and you'd read book and you'd write, you'd make notes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so this idea of building a second brain, the idea that, hey, your brain can't hold everything in it and you're going to have to create some sort of system is pretty damn old. And when we talk about building a second brain, we're talking about software like Obsidian and Notion. It's basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I have a, an actual, before you jump into the, the, the details of how to actually capture things, mm -hmm. um, I have a, an estimation question. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know you love these. Actually, I know I, I hate them. I have to. I have to. Yeah. Uh, number one, how many gigabytes of information we are consuming every day on average? Consuming. Yeah. Not remembering. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know a Blu-ray DVD is about 40 gigabytes. Okay. And that's about two hours. And let's just say we're thinking about information as like visual and audio stuff, right? Like just literally like it's a movie in your head. Okay. Most of the information we consume is text, huh? Yeah. But then like what I see is a video of the text, if that makes sense. And then my brain is like OCRing it afterwards. It's true. It's true. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Sounds okay. Good. I look, I've got to come up with an approach to answer your silly question. So I will, this is the approach well, I take. So 40 gigabytes, two hours. Let's say that we see in more, we see in more definition than... Like we don't see in like 1080p, we see in like not even 4K, like 20K, right? So even though you can't really equate pixels like that to the human eye, but anyway, whatever. So let's say it's 100 gigabytes for every two hours. We're actually, then we dream, but we don't dream all the time. So let's say we're consuming information, I know, 14 hours per day, 1400, uh, sorry, 14 hours times 100 gigabytes, sorry, seven times 100, 700 gigabytes of information per day. That's my final answer. I think you're very, very close, actually. Oh, yeah? What's the answer? Yeah. It's 34 gigabytes of information every day. Yeah, well, based that's... on this Har Harvard Business Review study. Yeah, but, but then remember, you wear glasses, so you see in like 480p. Yeah, exactly. AK eyeballs right here I've got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, why, that's, that's why you need the, the second, second brain. I don't need it. I consume yeah. much less. But anyway, uh, apparently 76% of the people feels that that information overload contributes to their daily, daily stress, which yep. then contributes to their performance at work. Uh, so this Harvard Business Review study actually says something really interesting. And here's, here's an interesting question study, estimation question. Mm -hmm. How much is it costing to the United States 
information overload today. 35% of your work performance is impacted. What's the GDP of the US? Every year, right? Is your question every year? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know how you calculate that. 23 Just trillion. Give a guess. 23 trillion. One third of 23. 23. 23. I'm going to say $7.6 trillion per year. That's actually very close to. It's actual, actually, hard, this Harvard Business Review study estimates yeah. that it's about $900 billion. So then it's only seven times up. <laughs> okay. Ah, that's good, man. Good. It's, it's all about how you get to the question, not the answer. Not to the yeah. answer, not the answer. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a massive impact. So it, it makes sense that people a long time ago started solving that problem. Because mm-hmm. honestly, like right now we have a lot of, I know we're exposed to more information, but we also have better tools to capture it. Mm-hmm. So before it was actually hard to get the information, but we didn't have that many tools to capture it. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's very interesting how Porte actually explains how Da Vinci did it. He was actually one of his main main examples, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Apparently, he carried this book where he would just take notes of literally everything that happened to him. See that? There you go. There you go. I think taking notes is something that really smart people do. Does that yeah, make sense? Really? Just frees yeah. up their brain for more important things. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Okay, right. So now we understand like the way that different historical people have kind of used it, right? Different yeah. ways in the past of using it. You mentioned that today we're, we're consuming 170 odd newspapers every single day. What are the actual main activities or the process behind a second break? Well, I think Tiago has this code method, yeah. um, which I simply, code basically says capture, uh, organize, distill, and expo- express, something along those lines. Okay. I basically simplified it a bit more and I have my own. Yeah, go on. Go for it. Basically, I saw it like a like a quick machine, pretty much. Basically, we need to figure out a way to capture the information. Then we need to figure out to st- a way to store it and organize it. Uh, and then we need to figure out a way to retrieve that information back mm-hmm. in the most uh, accessible way. Mm-hmm. And the way I'm thinking about it is, and actually, I got this idea from you, so I'll, I'll give you kudos. I don't know if you told me all of this or you sparked that thought in my brain. But basically, Ravi, one of the many conversations that we have had, he told me once that we're going to go into the information age in which we need to figure out a way. If we figure out a way to access, re- to store and retrieve information faster than anyone else around us, we're going to be in a competitive advantage as human beings. Something along those lines. I don't know if you told me this or you sparked that thought in my brain. But anyway, I thought it was pretty true. I will take credit for that one. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought it was pretty clever. I'll, I'll give you credit anyway. <laughs> so I think it's pretty true. And that's, that's why I think it's very important that we capture or get storage and retrieve. And we do all of that as fast as possible. That's my it's, math. It's such, a, ha- it's such an engineer's mindset, honestly. You're missing the creativity, man. You're missing the information. Well, no, being an engineer is very creative. You know how long it took me to get to this? I'm narrowing down a four-step method to three-step method with yeah. the same output. And, and you did it with just by removing one step. <laughs> Because, you know, what is not what is okay, fine. So you retrieve the information, right? That's yeah. what you do with it then, right? That's, that's, that's a key part of this. And arguably it's taking out the second brain and putting it to the primary brain, but what, whatever. But like, I think it's less like, oh, I need to remember what I ate for breakfast three months ago. And it's more like, I need to remember the recipe that I cooked with three months ago because I want to make an adaptation based on this new cuisine that I've seen. Do you know what I mean? It's, that for me is the more interesting side of this process rather than let me just pull up you know, yeah, but re- I think that that goes into the storage part. I think that's a subfolder in the storage part. Okay. Well, I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to debate 
the 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 intricacies of the uh metaphor is your second brain as a computer because i don't know enough about computers all to, right sounds good to, to debate so how that. do you do it tell me right so you said you said you start off with data capture right yeah so good question how do i do it basically i try and put all kind of stuff right there's two sets of information that you're getting that tiago talks about uh, internal and external right so external stuff are things like highlights from books that you've read and i'll come back to that one quotes memorable passages from podcasts links to like cool articles on the internet even like voice memos meeting notes that kind of stuff so stuff that's coming to you right the other type of data that needs to be captured is what he calls internal knowledge right basically ideas right <laughs> that's you know for many pages for the word ideas <laughs> okay so so ideas right Okay. He says that these can be anecdotes, whether they happen to you or someone else, insights, memories, reflections, stuff like that, right? So for me, this all goes through my phone. So when I see a cool article on Twitter, copy, paste it, chuck it into my app called Things, uh, which is like a to-do app, and it goes into my inbox there. Um, and then basically, from time to time, I go through that, and I put that into uh, a project called To Read, right? which basically means, don't worry about it right now. This stuff, Amongst all the other to-dos that you've got, this stuff isn't so important. Just chuck in that to-read one, read to-read project. And then maybe maybe once a month, I go through that and then I put it into my second brain, which is on Obsidian. So the capture process is actually quite long. So it's not like super quick for me. Yeah, That's how capture works for me. I also said I come back to books. I read mainly on a Kindle and you can just highlight a book uh, passage with your finger, which is great. Uh, and then that automatically gets sucked in to Obsidian, um, which for me is like, like I said, is that database of text files where the, the problem I have with that right now is yeah. that once you capture that in your Kindle, you can't really relate it to a specific idea that that specific sentence sparked on you. Yeah, no, you're right about that. So, look, and I think this is the kind of next stage, right, of your process that you've outlined, right? Processing, yeah. right? Because say, for example, we'll come back to the book thing because it's quite an interesting use case. Uh, but let's say that we find an article online and, you know, the tempting thing to do for me is to go grab that article, export a PDF of that thing and chuck it into my folders, right? And say, yeah. job done. I've captured the knowledge, right? But the fact is you haven't really captured the knowledge. You need to kind of process it a little bit. Yeah. If we were, if we were using the, um, if we were using a computer terminology, you might say we're trying, we're hashing it, uh, or we're trying to uh, add metadata or we're trying to summarize it or whatever the case may be different yeah. people do it in different ways it's like, try try to think what happens a few stages in the future a few months a few months later you're trying to retrieve a specific idea that you got from that book and what you need to do when you research the book you have to read the whole thing again or a few pages to actually find find that that snippet that sparked that idea yeah and that's exactly. not the most efficient way to retrieve that information exactly and it could be as simple as like right i'm just going to copy and paste the most important quote or i'm going to highlight something or you know whatever the case may be yeah. Um, but that's kind of like making it really, really important to you. Now, basically, Tiago Forte has got a really, really complicated way of storing the stuff. And I know it's complicated because I've tried it myself. Um, so I've categorized all of my notes, or I tried to, into these four areas, which he calls the, the power system. Do you remember the power system from Building a Second Brain? Yeah, tell me. Tell me more. All right. So, so basically, the idea is that any kind of information that you're ingesting, right, that you're capturing, uh, can be categorized into one of the four, four things, right? P for projects, uh, A for areas, R for resources, and uh, A for archives, right? Basically, it's the, the idea of like first order order of retrievability, if you've ever heard of that. I actually you don't. Know. Oh, really? Well, look no. at this. It's a complicating sounding term that Luigi doesn't know about. I'm going to enjoy lecturing you about this one. 
first um, order of retrievability. Okay, go on. Yeah, so basically, imagine you're in your Lecture kitchen. Lecture me. Mm. In your kitchen, your yeah. knives and forks, which you use very often, they mm -hmm. tend to be in the drawers near the top, correct? They're yeah. not at the back of the cupboard uh, or in the other room, are they? So the things that you use the most should be closest, right? So Tiago's idea is that projects, they should literally be super high level, really yeah. easy to get to because you're working yeah. on like day to day areas. He calls them long-term responsibilities you, you want to manage over time. Might be like finance, for example. So you might be collecting notes about managing your finances or investing. Uh, resources, things that might be useful in the future and archives, inactive items from either of the three categories. To me, it's just way too complicated. Like it's just well, too much. Well, because to the idea... It sound, I haven't tried it, but it sounded, sounds like very good. Well, yeah, maybe it appeals to you, right? But for me, like you could just sort by most recently opened and then basically get the same thing. So yeah, for me, that's, that's one way of looking at it. Okay. And I think search kills that. Like you don't need to browse anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't need a hierarchical structure anymore, right? Exactly. Exactly. Search is already pretty good today. Yeah. But that's actually a really interesting thing because it's, this is, again, there is no real answer or universal answer that works for everyone. It's a truly personal thing, how you decide to organize your own knowledge slash management system. Exactly. And, and it can be as simple as like literally a set of notebooks, yeah. right? Where you just chronologically write down stuff that you've, that you've learned. And yeah, it's probably not going to be the best second brain ever because it's not going to be easy to, to kind of deal with. Yeah. Um, or you can, you know, have a folder full of, with subfolders full of Word documents, or you can use a program like Obsidian, which is a little bit more sophisticated, also like Notion, uh, which mm -hmm. I'm sure many of listeners of the show are familiar with, especially since we covered it quite recently on the show. So yeah, basically that's storage. That's interesting. So how are you, if you're not doing it how he does it, how do you do it? Well... It's interesting because mine's in a bit of a mess right now. Um, so I've tried like different ways of tagging, different ways of kind of, yeah, different ways of tagging, different ways of kind of structuring stuff into different hierarchical folders and all the rest of it. I wouldn't say I've given up, but I've prioritized my time effectively. So I'm still using my second brain while I'm still trying to build the systems and processes in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not too, for me, as long as the notes go somewhere and I know they're not going to get deleted or they're backed up or whatever the case may be, I don't really care that much because I know I can always do it later. And as long as yeah. I can search for a note, I don't really mind. That's actually an interesting point that uh, I, I struggle with it so many times trying to do this in the past. You have this analysis paralysis, which is what's the most perfect system. Once you define the system is when you actually start taking notes. So you, it takes ages to get value. And keep in mind that you will actually get value of this after a few months, if not years of taking notes. So it's very important that you start as soon as you can before you even have a system. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's text. And you can yeah. transfer the text from one place to another. Exactly. And, uh, or reorganize it in the way you, you want, but you can't really retrieve ideas that you didn't take. I think, I think you know what? I think that's a really good point. I think it's yeah. really valuable that you said that. And it's interesting that you talk about retrieval. Like in your second brain, can you give some examples of like things that you've retrieved and you think, bloody hell, I'm so glad that I'm a massive nerd and I'm really into my second brain. You you. You will laugh about me. Yeah, go and tell me. But I'm right now in, uh, I, to be honest, I'm, I'm preaching this and I'm not really following. Really? But I've been spending, yeah, I've been spending like three months trying to figure out exactly how I want to organize or not organize, but what tool do I want to use? I have flirted with Obsidian for quite a while. I think most of my knowledge is in Obsidian, but I don't use it that much. War, I don't retrieve, if that makes sense. Uh, that's for personal things. Then I started using Apple Notes. Apple Notes, I think, is pretty good. So I'm organizing most of my things there uh, based on projects and based on problems that I would like to solve. Kind of how Tiago uh, suggested in his book. 
So I started doing that. But then I, I've realized recently that for work, I have only been using Google Drive. So I don't really have right now a central place where everything lives, which is a shame, but I realized that that's a problem because when I try to look for stuff in my work computer, it's not there. Mm -hmm. When I try to find things on my other computer, it's also not there. Mm -hmm. so I'm not, I need to access accounts and things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not amazing. So I need to solve that problem. But what I've really found useful is how Tiago slash Richard Feynman suggested to do it, which is figure out the problems you want to solve or the problems, things that you're passionate about that you're going to be reading every single day, reading, consuming content of, um, and then write notes about them. Mm -hmm. And that I found really useful because you set up goals every year, like every other person. Um, and I usually set up goals based on things I want to achieve, of course, like everyone else, but I split them. I have like my own way of splitting them. Maybe this is a topic for another podcast, but I basically can then relate my research or the things I look up or the things I read about, the things I consume to those specific areas, if that makes sense. So it's a very easy way for me to learn slash do progress of my goals every day and see the progress I'm making. If that okay. Makes sense. Okay, that so makes sense. One of them, for example, is how to eat better and how to actually improve my eating habits. I read about that every day, pretty much, or every other day, um, or consume podcasts about it. And I write notes as I as, as I'm consuming, focusing on that goal that is a long term goal. If that makes sense. So nice. yeah, that's my current system. Very right. simple, but yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, you're connecting it. Okay, cool. And can you think of an example of when? You wish that you'd taken a note on something and you hadn't. Uh, right now it's podcasts and books. Podcasts, I'm 100% struggling to capture because but I'm usually walking. No, but, wanna... no, but what I mean is like, okay, like you're in, you're in reality and someone asks you a question and you think, oh, I need to retrieve a piece of information about that thing and you can't get it, if that makes sense. Ah, well, yes. It happens to me almost every day at work mm -hmm. because it's either saved in Obsidian, which is not in my work computer. Mm-hmm. And or it is also or 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 it's basically on my notes, mm -hmm. which are hard to search for, hard to access. So yeah, that's basically the problem. It happens to me every time I work. Okay, nice, nice. All right. Well, I've been on the um, second brain train a little bit longer than you have. Uh, mm -hmm. Choo choo. Um, but basically, you know, so examples of things that I've used, right? And I, I hope that people listening can kind of like really make this applicable in their own lives. Like a while ago. I was making a pitch deck and I came across several great examples of pitch decks and great repositories of, of them. And, you know, in the last few years, I've seen like other examples pop up and kind of added them all to this note, which is called pitch deck examples. A few weeks ago, someone said to me, oh, like, I'm making a pitch deck. Can you, can you help me? And I said, here is, here is a list of websites with a bunch of different pitch decks on them. And that kind of thing makes it really easy, if that makes sense. Just like, here's my knowledge about this thing. Off you go. Someone else said to me, um, can you tell, and this is a marketing one, can you talk to me a little bit about customer segmentation? And I'd re read an article about it. I'd written my own approach. I put that in my second brain. Here is Ravi's approach to customer segmentation. So that kind of thing, like for me, is really helpful. Just sharing with other people. That yeah. makes sense. And that's where I get a lot of value out of it. But you still had a chat with them, no? No, just just send them a link and then tell them to just, you know, not speak to me again until until... Yeah, that sounds like a very rare thing to do. No, I mean, no. It sounds amazing to work for you. <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. But like, um, no, but basically, yeah, it just, it's just really helpful because it's just like, here's the approach. Yeah. And, you know, if you get, and it's, for me, it's almost like writing playbooks for the way that I do things professionally. So um, yeah. that's what I like. I think a really good memory was in Web Summit. Yeah. You were just taking notes while we were, there is a Web Summit episode if you want to listen to the summary of that. But Ravi was basically 
insanely taking notes of every single thing that everyone was saying. No, he was actually taking really good notes and I asked, asked him for it. But then this guy who was sitting next to him saw that Ravi was just taking really good notes. So you could kind of see that he was picking an eye on it. And he was looking at, he was paying attention more to your notes and what the actual, what the Lego, the head of product of Lego was saying. And then he said, hey, can you send me the notes? Yeah, there you Something go. Along and I made a connection. I made a friend yeah. because of that. So, so yeah, yeah look, it's, a, it's another great example. So sharing, it's not just for you, right? Uh, and of yeah. course, you can approach it like it's just for you. And there'll be, there's notes that I've got that, you know, will never see the light of day. But um, it's cool to do that. Also, also, I've started writing down shortcuts for certain programs like InDesign and stuff like that. Brilliant. Right. I don't know, because I'm just like, all right, I'm in InDesign and I want to fit a a frame to a content within. And I always struggle to remember the keyboard shortcut for it. And I'm trying to learn. I'm sure it. there is like a shortcut cheat sheet for InDesign. There is. Mind. And it's in my blooming Obsidian. That's where it is. Do you see what and I mean? You made it. No, I, 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 I made it, I copied and pasted some stuff. And, and then like, it, I didn't just sit down and be like, today I'm going to make a cheat sheet about things for Obsidian. But I just started okay. noting down the ones that I was using. And when I researched it, I just copied and pasted it into that, into that yeah. note to make it you know helpful. It's not like I'm going to sit down and be like, yeah, today I'm going to write. This figure or, it out figure yeah. out what each command does yeah exactly i'm going to try every single possible keyboard combination okay 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 yeah sounds good and I, i'm actually curious what uh what's your what's your tool set um it is obsidian um and base pretty much yeah so like i said i capture information in or like ideas or whatever in, in something called things mm -hmm. um or articles whatever the case may be purely because i can it's the quickest way for me to save text on my phone right i've always got the shortcut i've always got the app icon there and it's always on my Desktop Why don't you do it like, directly in Obsidian? Because the mobile experience of Obsidian is really rubbish. I have the same problem with Notion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Completely agree. Completely agree. But at the end of the day, as you said, it's just text files. Um, and I know that Notion is continually being redeveloped. And because it is just text files, there'll always be another program to use with it. And for me, I'm really, I like the idea of handing it down to my kids. I know this is really nerdy and sad, but like, here's a USB stick and here is, you know, me. Off you go. And not, you know, necessarily my ideas or like a diary or something like that, but literally just here's a, here's a shitload of knowledge. Kids, you're welcome. Now you need to figure out how to retrieve. Uh, they can, that's their problem. Yeah, well, that's actually interesting because I would argue that retrieval is faster for you than for anyone else. Yeah, because I know what I know what to search for and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure, for sure. Interesting. Yeah. I guess that the design of how you design your second brain is 100% different if you do it for yourself then do it for someone else yeah exactly which is why everyone's going to do it themselves and equally don't worry too much about this is the system this is that and the other literally yeah, yeah. just start capturing yeah and chuck yeah, it yeah. it can be a folder on your computer it can be a literal notebook it can be something like that it could be anything yeah and what other what other tools would you have you explored so i want to around? i wanted to talk to you about have you heard of rewind.ai no all right okay now um, listen to this it's like a second brain for everything that you do on your computer right um, and basically what it does, you know how I was talking about like looking at data that we consume as, you know, like a 4K image, um, like a 4K video feed for like 16 hours per day. This is what this does for your computer. So it literally screen records the whole time and then basically uses OCR and compression. Well, actually, it, they say that it doesn't, but apparently it does. Um, and basically, like it just makes everything searchable that you've ever done on your computer. So right now, the fact that I'm that I would be capturing like a separate video feed, basically screen recording this conversation if this was on Zoom. And then I'd have like notes from the meeting, like done. Um, and like, oh, I read that article like a few weeks ago. And oh, what was it? I never saved it to my favorite and stuff like that. I'd be able to do all of that, yeah. uh, which is really interesting.
but it's all about what happens on the computer. But we live our lives on the computer anyway, so who really gives a damn? Yeah, pretty much. I have a, another one called uh, mem.ai. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why everyone is just putting AI at the end of the every single... That's a topic for another conversation. It's a cheap, I guess it's a cheap the, top level domain. That's why. Yeah, all, all the good domains are taken. All the domains yeah. are taken. But mem.ai, I think it's pretty cool. It's the same way you can capture notes. It's, it's marked down. It's, it's, it's very easy to do. Uh, but I think it's a nice hybrid between Notion and Obsidian. Is I feel Obsidian has a, a big a big step curve to get to know mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and optimize it for you. But what I really like of Mem is that you can integrate it with like WhatsApp, uh, with Telegram, and you can just have a really? chat and say like, "Hey, save a Mem." Really about X Y Z. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they, it's, the data capture part, they really nailed it. The retrieval meh, is a bit meh. But yeah, yeah, but then that's when they hand wave it away and say AI, and then. Let's wait for the tech yeah, to catch I guess up. So. Yeah, but data That's capture, they nailed it really well. I would be worried if, from a compliance point of view if, like, if I ran a company and people were using tools like these. Do you know what I mean? But the same, di- yeah. like, how different is it from, like, memor- like, like in F1, right? When, when, like, you're an engineer, say, for example, you're working Ferrari, then you get a job offer from McLaren, you decide to go to McLaren. In your contract, Ferrari will say, we will pay you six months to not work for McLaren before you go there. Because we know that you're going to take a huge amount of concepts and ideas and development and stuff like that in, in your head to them. And we want to put you, they call it gardening leave, out to gardening leave for six months so that we can go and develop the car. And by the time that you're working for McLaren, like the knowledge that you have is less relevant. But then how, like if you've been running this on your computer and then and then like Mem, uh, you've been running Mem or you've been running Rewind.ai on your computer and you take that with you to your next job, you know, that's there's a lot of IP questions there. Yeah, I would say so, but I think that it depends on what you capture, but there might be, depends on what you work on, mm-hmm. they might be less relevant. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you save up, I don't know, a product requirements template, like how relevant that those type of things are, you know, like yeah. if you, if you save highly sensitive information, you probably, your IT is probably going to be like, Hey, don't save this in your personal account, save it in whatever IT can dis- like destroy after you leave the company. Yeah. Well, yeah. but the thing is, right, if it's happening all automatically and your screen's getting, like, everything's being ingested for you by someone, oh, well, yeah. by, by an AI, then, you know, what can you really do? Yeah, yeah. Our regulations are not really ready to deal and create law for that yet. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, yeah. though, those are the tools. Luigi, you told us that your second brain's a bit of a mess. Has this conversation sparked you to invest more time in it? Or are you happy with? To be honest, yes. Right while, while researching and reading about this project, I, I think I'm going to go back to Notion. And give it another mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. Nice. Okay. Try to figure out how to import all my obsidian and, and do it there. Well, remember, look, the system isn't the work. The work is the work. Yeah, fair. It's fair enough. It's about the tool, the problem I have. The tool. The system I got. The tool is Well, okay, fine. The, the tool isn't the problem. You know, it's you not the thing. Wrong. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. That would be a mess. Anyway. Anyway. What, what, what have you taken? What's your takeaway? main takeaway of this episode uh my main takeaway from this is that like i think that in order to be creative you have to have an understanding of yeah the idea that everything is a remix right and what building a second brain does is allow you to remix a little bit more intentionally a little bit easier so there you go amazing fantastic show sure thank you for listening um and if you want to find out more about the show you can find us online at bios.design you can follow the show on twitter at designbios underscore fm you can follow luigi on twitter at luigi underscore dintrono and you can follow myself on twitter at ravi is occupied if uh you really like the show and you want to support us you can uh find us on patreon where you'll also find the show notes uh and while you're there 
uh, you can also choose to support us and become one of our amazing patrons as well. Uh, and finally, um, if you like the show, but you don't want to reach into your pocket, then fair enough. Uh, please like the show on whichever platform you're listening. Give us five stars. You can give us five stars. Give us thumbs up. You can give us thumbs up. And with that, we wish you a good day. See you next time. Adios.